This is the Marketing Natives, providing actionable ways to grow, improve, and succeed in your business. And now, your hosts, Christian and Aaron. All right, Omar, welcome to the Marketing Natives. Thanks so much for uh, jumping in and talking with us. I appreciate you having me, Aaron. Excited to be on, man. And uh, your co-host as well. It's nice to meet you as well, Christian. Very nice to meet you. Awesome. So for those who are new um, and even still us, just learning a lot about uh, your business, tell us a little bit about your business. Um, what What do you guys do? How do you How do you do it? And then more importantly, where do you do it from? I guess that would probably be unique to you as well. Sure. So I own a podcasting agency called Nomads Cast. And we are currently in the middle of purchasing a, a different domain as well that we're going to be setting up a 301 redirect to. I don't want to say the domain for the last of, so it's just a really, really good domain that we've managed to get our hands off on. Um, but basically what we do is we, we have a two-sided business, right? So on one side, we help high ticket businesses, especially coaches, consultants, uh, or anyone that has a high ticket offer, whether it's B2B or B2C, help them set up a podcast that drives leads to their business and generates revenue on the front end. Um, and we've helped econ businesses as well in the past. So I know you guys specialize on that. And then on the secondary side, we also generate content uh, that's native to specific digital market or specific social media platforms using digital marketing best practices that drives them organic traffic to those specific platforms and then converts them down a funnel to have leads. So it's two parts of the same thing. Um, really the content's created from the podcast that we make for them. So it's all repurposed. And what we found out about two years ago was that um, pod, like a video podcast is literally the most concentrated form of content that anyone can put out there. And it's the easiest form of content for someone to put out there too. Like if you, for example, you and I are recording this video podcast right now, and it might be a 45 minute podcast that we end up making in 45 minutes versus trying to make a, a polished 45 minute YouTube video, which has both audio and video takes probably a week to edit and, and create and, and really perfect. So it's just concentrated content in a short period of time that's easy to repurpose and use on all socials. And that's what we double down on. So I may have a referral for you um, because so tell tell us a little bit about how you work. So if I have a group of people, uh, which I do, there's like three or four women who are in the area who want to record a podcast. Um, they also want to do it as a video as well. How do you do things like that remotely? Because you're I think you're in the Houston area right now and, and could be wherever. But how does that work uh, for remote clients? So we've had clients that are both. Uh, that have both recorded. Um, we have clients that both recorded uh, in person. So they have little group meetings where uh, it's just like a studio and they have their mic set up and a couple cameras, the same way that you and your co-host right now have. But we also have it on the flip side where they record Zoom Zoom interviews with people across the nation or across the world. And we've worked with both sorts of clients. Uh, in your case, with the few ladies that want to get together and record a video podcast, uh, there's a lot more hardware setup that goes into it. And I'm not sure how much they would work for it. Only in my entire history have we actually flown out and helped the client set up their own studio and, and created all that for them. Um, but normally in a case like that, what we do is we just send them over the equipment list 
and say, hey, do this. And just, it's a simple matter of setting up some cameras on their end and putting together the equipment and then recording from there. And then we give them a couple suggestions of how, but the process is still the same. Once they record the audio, we have our drag and drop system, which is used as a calendar as well. And then we get the audio files and just create it in the content and post it on their socials for them. So the process is still the same. It's just a little bit different if that they're, if they're in person um, and if they have no idea about any of the hardware side of things about audio or how to use cameras or any of that, then it becomes a little bit more difficult to coordinate that, in which case I'd either guide them through it on a Zoom call or I'd go fly over to them and, and set up their studio for them. But that's more of a rare case. It doesn't happen often. Got it. Yeah, I was going to say, I, th I feel like, um, at least now anyway, more and more people are becoming, I guess, more open to technology or open to the opportunity to, to do something like this more remote. So they're willing to learn. I think even a year ago, they were probably a lot less likely to actually take the initiative to get the hardware or to make something happen like that. Um, now most people have some kind of home office or setup or, you know, they've, they've kind of done the research cause it's a necessity. So, um, has that impacted your guys' business? Have you guys seen a, more of an influx of people with podcasts or people moving towards uh, that direction with technology? Definitely. I really think if you if you look at it about three, four years ago, podcasting used to be this massive production thing, right? Like the kind of the way that you guys are doing it with getting mics and setting up a studio room and just recording it. And I'm guessing you guys aren't even doing the whole full fledge of like padding on the walls and making sure that you're completely isolated with no noise reduction and, and the whole nine yards, right? That used to be this massive production thing when it came to actually podcasting, the way Joe Rogan does, for example. Mm -hmm. But now it's gotten to a point where the world is starting to realize content is much more important than, and quality is subjective. So quality is in the eyes of the beholder. And I mean, and it's pretty apparent with things like on TikTok, for example, someone recording a video off their Nokia cell phone. Uh, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but that getting 9 million views in a matter of 24 hours, that goes to show you that quality is definitely subjective in the eyes of the beholder. And realizing that uh, we really think anybody can podcast by simply having Zoom downloaded on their computer and having a mic that has decent sound quality coming in. And then everything else can be taken care of in post. Uh, and all the benefits that you can get, get from podcasting uh, can also be realized after that. Now, 99% of podcasters are never gonna go for full on sponsorships, right? Um, and, and that's not the best way to utilize a podcast either for your business. The best way to use, utilize it is all the other benefits that come along with the podcast. What are those benefits? So, you know, Christian and I have the marketing natives. We're at this start of this episode. I don't know what this is going to be, but maybe episode 190, 195 eventually when it rolls out. So almost going on 200 episodes. Um, and we've started within the last, what was it? Maybe 75 or so, maybe last 100 episodes we've done video. What's the, and we've broken it down for content, but what would you say for somebody who is doing a video podcast right now? Um, you know, what's the best way to use our content? What's the best way to repurpose it? What do you, what do you guys do and what suggestions would you have for us? Sure. Um, so you guys are a digital marketing agency. Is that correct? At the end correct. of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, and essentially what you're doing is your, your LTV for your clients are probably somewhere around on average, maybe five to 10 K range. Yeah. Maybe or a little, little bit, bit more. more than that, depending mm -hmm. on how much you're charging. Yeah. Right. So really the first thing you should start incorporating is guest facing monetization, right? Um, and that essentially is bringing on potential clients the same way that you would have a meeting with them and you'd funnel into a meeting and then try to convert them from a meeting into a client. Bring 
actual potential clients onto your podcast with a value first ask, uh, trying to figure out their pain points in the context of a podcast, and then going for the close at the end of that, you're going to see conversion rates increase much more than you would if you were just going straight to a meeting from cold, from cold traffic. Does that make sense? So that's something you can start incorporating right away. Now, I like to go through like a little mental checklist for any sort of high ticket business, right? Number one, are you using the transcripts for SEO on your website? Yes. Yes. Maybe not, probably not as effective. You could probably go to our site. Like we, we get the show notes and we put the show notes up there. Um, but that's pretty much the extent of what we're doing with them. So I don't know. Maybe there's some tips there if that's a rabbit hole. What about hole. the full on transcript? Yeah. The tran- the full on transcript, somebody goes through and, and just makes changes and tweaks to it. Right. And then right. they just publish it like as a blog post with the episode, like up at the top. Great. So it is, it is embedded straight on your website. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Great. So that's good. Um, another thing that you can do is repurpose that into about two to three pieces of blog post content, maybe 250 to 300 words. It doesn't need to be massive and throw a couple graphics in there. Um, and that would be essentially three blog posts plus the transcript for each podcast episode. So you have about four things that you can post on your website per podcast episode, and it doesn't take long at all to create those blog posts. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. Uh, a mix of some Google research along with your transcript will get that taken care of for you. Uh, so that's another thing. Uh, one more thing, something that you should be utilizing right now in 2021 is the nine by 16 video formats to get you a ton of traffic on all the socials that are using that. So specifically Instagram reels, YouTube shorts, and TikTok, where all the organic traffic is right now. Uh, you can post a nine by 16 video on any one of these platforms with no following and get anywhere from a thousand to a million views in the next 24 hours. If you post consistently and make the algorithm happy. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can take those video podcasts and something that, some formats that we've been messing around with that are working really, really well with audiences is uh, taking a nine by 16 or taking the actual video podcast, reformatting it to nine by 16, taking the audio and slapping some B-roll on there with some music. And a lot of B-roll you can probably get from websites like pexels.com, pexabay.com unsplash.com there's a lot of free footage stock footage b-roll footage out there that you can use Uh, so one that's one format that we like using another format is like taking this interview and just kind of making a 9 by 16 format where it kind of zooms into your face with some really cool subtitles that come across the screen Um, the fancy type subtitles not something boring like block text Um, so that that's another thing that you can do and this is just for the 9 by 16 by the way Um, some other formats that you can do is a mixture of both. So the zoomed in face with a little B-roll clip to kind of go along with the words and then throwing some icons on top that kind of flash along with what the person is saying at the time. So if I'm saying podcasting, you see like an icon of like a podcast mic show up on the screen for, for a few seconds and then pop back off. Things like that. I mean, you can get really, really creative with these 9 by 16 format videos and it really depends on the kind of audience that you have too, right? So we've noticed... Uh, younger audiences tend to like more colorful icon things on, on their screen. And if you're engaging older audiences, they tend to like more professional looking nine by 16s. If you're engaging more uh, athletic audiences, they tend to like things that are clean cut. I mean, these are all things that we've tested over and over on different types of clients that we've worked with. Um, and then you can also naturally make just the same way that you can create blog posts from a transcript. You can also create one by one content for Instagram for from a transcript. Um, you can cut up a 50 minute podcast into like 10 minute clips that you can then use for long form content on YouTube. That's engaging that maybe has the best parts of um, 
of the podcast, right? So for example, I just had this three minute rant or four minute rant of how to make a podcast, how to use it for the best um, pieces of content to the best ability that you want to use it. So you could literally take that four minute piece right there, uh, slap an intro and outro at the beginning and end, have a YouTube title that says along the lines of how to use video podcast or how to repurpose video podcast content to go viral. Uh, post that up on YouTube using something like TubeBuddy doing some SEO research behind like what kind of titles would stick the best and what would resonate with audiences on YouTube the best. And then see that video get a ton of hits simply because of the title, the thumbnail, and then the content inside. So very interesting. Essentially, we like to say it as the marketing engine with your voice behind it for every aspect of your business. Right. I think uh, podcasts to me are very interesting because it's, I guess it's hard to get discovered if you just have a podcast and that's it, you know, um, a podcast works, you know, in combination of using all these things, right. Using all these other, other platforms, uh, and, and making them work cohesively to, to sort of drive traffic back and forth. Um, would you say that you, you talked about, <clears throat> I guess, a strategy that we haven't really been using. And I think the way you ex- kind of explained it, it was more of a, almost you know, staying on top of trends and using the, the nine by 16s, right. on something like TikTok, Instagram reels and things like that. Um, but using it very, very effectively. Um, is that something that you, you're always sort of on top of as, as far as like for your clients where you see something coming out new, um, and you're like, okay, how can we, you know, still use our, our main chops with this podcast, um, and incorporate this new platform into, exactly into the strategy. Okay. That's exactly it. So uh, we're a team of creatives and digital marketers at first, uh, at heart. Um, we're always focusing on what the social media trends are going for, what hashtags are trending, what's working, what isn't. Uh, we're always on top of the newest platforms like Clubhouse we've been doubling down on as a team. Uh, just different, all these different platforms are always constantly on how do we get the most ROI for the least amount of effort. And the least amount of effort at this point in history right now with audio, with the world becoming more audio dominant media centric as well is creating a video podcast. Uh, it's, it's a highest ROI. It sticks around for a long period of time. Uh, it's concentrated content at scale. Um, there are people out there that are doing these on the daily even. I mean, that's, that's just a wealth of content that's just not being utilized the way that it could be. So um, yeah, like we just figure out where to distribute it, right? That's that's what we're on top of, the trends and where to distribute it the best to get the most organic traffic. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you, hey, repurpose this content and start posting it on a Facebook page all day. That's not going to lead you anywhere. You're not going to get any engagement there versus you could do the same content but repost it on TikTok, YouTube, Shorts, and Instagram Reels and get a ton of organic traffic that way and grow your page really fast that way. You know, so it's just, uh, it's just about staying on top, seeing where the attention is going and then following it. Absolutely. And for the the people that you're working with, do you work a lot with like personal brand or like people who are coming to you? Are they a lot of like personal brands or are they other companies? Like what kind of companies are you typically working with? So we tend to find the people that want our services the most are either speakers that were hit during during the pandemic, like uh, in the speaking industry, coaches, consultants. Um, We also tend to find people, we've also worked with some SaaS companies before that have higher ticket options. So uh, like SaaS companies that have maybe an average LTV of 10K or five to 10K, let's say. Um, We've also worked with, 
so that's coaches consult any sort of high ticket business i guess facing monetization works with incredibly well so um I'm trying to think of other B2B companies. A lot of B2B companies work really, really well. So we worked with a construction company at some point where they would bring on their potential construction clients, uh, people that they would work with, maybe outsource their work to or um, home builders or anything along those lines. They'd bring them on the podcast, have this value first relationship and try to figure out exactly what they want out of their new home. And then after that, they'd close the deal at the end of it after they built this relationship for the next 45 minutes without actually seeming needy and trying to sell something to them. You know, I think podcasting can really be translated into a lot of industries, but where you'll see it shine the most is uh, either a, for e-com companies when they're right at the cusp of becoming a branding play and they're straying away from making Facebook ads their only lead gen source. So like, you know how that transition is for e-com companies where they start off their business, take it off the ground with a bunch of Facebook ads until they become an established brand and they want to become a household name at that point. Um, and they're just on the cusp of that. And they're, and they're starting to look into more content marketing strategies and less just simply pure paid Facebook ad strategies. Mm-hmm. That's where uh, podcasts work really well. And they work really, really well for high ticket businesses. <laughs> Hey y'all, growing and scaling a profitable online store can be difficult, especially if your strategy has been to watch YouTube videos and ask your friends some questions. But when you have a proven strategy in place, growing just gets much easier. We created a free training that covers the exact framework we use for every one of our online store owners. This is a five-part strategy that will be your secret weapon to increasing your return on ad spend, average order value, and repeat customers. And these are tactics that you can take and implement today. If you want to take the guesswork out of growing your online store and stop spending hours on YouTube, then click below to get access to our free training and start scaling your store today. Whenever you're um, <clears throat> like getting guests, so let's say like uh, for an e-com brand or for that B2B business, what's the best way that you've seen um, because there's been people who have pitched us and we've pitched other people, but what's the best way for you to get um, that high caliber guest uh, to come on the episode? Like you said, it, you know, you want to add value to them. And I think coming on the podcast does add value, but what's a good, like what's your guys' method to get those guests for your clients or um, for yourself even? So, and I'm sure you guys can attest to this, right? I mean, you have a podcast with a hundred something episodes. And when you're that established, everyone wants to come on a podcast like that. I have never faced resistance, no matter how high caliber the guest is, for them coming on my podcast. Uh, Sometimes maybe it gets not seen in the inbox and you have a quick follow-up and they'll say yes, but it's much, much easier to get somebody on your podcast than it is to get on someone else's podcast. And if you have your own podcast, it's easier to leverage that to get on someone else's podcast because then all of a sudden you're trading value for value with the podcast swap. You know, uh, when, when you're coming from the context of just trying to get on someone else's podcast without having your own, that's probably the hardest to do. Right. So um, having people on my podcast, like, uh, and, and biggest, biggest names, people that don't even, that aren't even open and accessible to being networked with have been on my podcast simply because I asked. And when, when that happens, when you actually ask, like, for example, let's say you're targeting, I have a client right now that's targeting Facebook ad agencies specifically, right? 
whenever I ask any Facebook ad agency owner, to, hey, would you come on our podcast that's centered around Facebook ads? Like 99.9% of the time, they're going to say yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, does he need somebody to come on there and talk yeah, about it? Yeah, hey, yeah, if you need, if you want, uh, yeah, by all means. I've currently, in, I'll, I'll get in touch with him today. It's just a, a client that I started working quite recently with. So we're still in launch phase. But if you want to be one of his first few guests, by all means. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, That's do you see what I mean? And, and <laughs> this is just a new podcast here too. It, it, you're as established as you are and as established as I am. People are, are begging and fighting new, nail and tooth to get on our podcast. Uh, I signed up with a, one website called podbooker.com and every day I'm getting about four people uh, reaching out to me trying to get on my podcast, you know, just randomly. People that are well accomplished, that are making millions, thousands, millions, you know? And, and when it becomes that, people are reaching out to you like, uh, think about think about the the and this is just a simple sales thing, but think about the psychology behind that. There are people coming to you that have deep pockets that want value from you. Mm-hmm. How easy would it be to sell somebody to, on that in that regard, right? Absolutely. Um, I want to uh, move a little bit closer towards like how we met, which was on Clubhouse, and just really get your kind of synopsis what you've been doing on there. Um, if you've created any. Um, uh, clubs there if you've what kind of time you're spending there just kind of give an, a synopsis because i think it's it's still so early on right now that people are listening or probably those for those who don't know uh what what is kind of club what is clubhouse in your own words and then you know how are you taking advantage of this for your business sure so clubhouse is visceral i think that's a way to put it it's content like an Instagram story, but not even as established. Like an Instagram story will last in your in your feed for 24 hours, but uh, Clubhouse, the moment you speak the content, it's gone right afterwards, right? So that's, that's I would say, and I always like starting off with a downside before I talk about the upside, but that's a downside. And I've talked to about talked about this to people like Downlock, uh, other really big names in the industry, in the internet marketing industry about why, what do you think about Clubhouse? What direction are you going with? And I've gotten the same response multiple times from multiple people. And that is that the content doesn't stay around. So it's not scalable. Uh, If the content stayed around, it would be much more scalable than if it wasn't, if it didn't. Uh, And that's why a lot of these bigger internet marketers like Neil Patel, Dan Log, they're not spending as much time as these other smaller internet marketers that pretend to be making nine to 10 figures are. Yeah, every single person's making 10 figures. Every single one of them. And that's another downside, I think, about Clubhouse, right? Every single, every one of their mothers is making nine figures to 16 figures on there. Uh, They have like, (laughs) so true. They have like these 1,000 rooms, uh, 1,000 people rooms, and constantly, oh, we're we're spending so much time up here giving everyone value. Uh, Make sure to follow every Every one of us 49 moderator, moderators up on stage and make sure we continue giving you value, you know, and it's all framed as I don't know if I can curse on here. So maybe you want to well, well, Jack, you have to bleep that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's just all ridiculous. And uh, that's one of the downsides, right? And the thing is, we live in a world where uh, we're still fairly early in the stages of internet marketing. Um, even though it's been about 20 years, but still not everyone in the world has heard what a funnel is or how they're being funneled into these funnels so seamlessly. So so people still aren't aware and, and just falling for that. And that's why they're still getting a lot of traction. Uh, if I had to guess in about 50 years, everyone's going to be aware and none of those old tactics are going to be working, but then by then new tactics are going to be around, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the downside. The plus side is once again, and I think audio is the best medium for this period. It's great for high ticket businesses to get business. 
And just out of myself, I've gotten about 15 to 20 K worth of client client work uh, from spending maybe about an hour to two hours a day on clubhouse for the past two months. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, it's so not nine positive. figures, but pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, definitely pretty good. It's not nine figures, but I think for, for, and I consider myself in the earlier stages of owning my business. I know I've had my business for less time than you, you guys have had it. I know you guys have had it for about what, four or five years. Yeah. Five just years. Hit five years. Mm-hmm. And we've had three years, so we definitely less time than you guys. And sort of an action like that is pretty ROI positive for me. If you think about it, it's about 120 hours and 20K. Um, I think that still puts it about over $100 an hour, right? Mm-hmm. So it's an ROI positive action for me. Plus on top of that, it's a good, it's just a good feeling giving value to people and, and connecting with other people and networking. And uh, from, from Clubhouse, I've managed to get Eric Sue on my podcast. Um, and a couple of other like really genuine good marketers that I just wanted to learn from, you know? So there's, there was a lot that I learned from it, a lot of opportunity there. Um, but it's not scalable. It's not scalable. And even when you're getting follower numbers of like 50, hundred K, it's still not that scalable. You know, um, it's like conventions, like how scalable is a convention? <laughs> That's right? true. Like, yeah. yeah. It's good. Like there are people out there that have sold millions of dollars on stage in like 30 minutes to an hour. And that, and that really, that's, that's what all you really need. Right. Um, But at the same time, it's not scalable more than that. And the majority of people will not reach Russell Brunson status at a convention. So um, that's, that's about how you can, that's about max scalability right there for clubhouse. Uh, The minimum scalability is I think where, where it really shines is for small to medium business owners that have high ticket clients uh, that can open up a room, really know their stuff, can speak about what they know and impress people with it so that people are reaching out to them in their DM saying, hey, could I learn more about your service or more about what you do? And that always translates into business. Yeah. What, have you, um, are you part of any clubs? Um, have you started a club? What's the, or how, what's your kind of your strategy, your approach with clubhouse? So I do a lot of collaboration. I haven't, I put in a request for club like two months ago. It's just such high volume right now. And they haven't incorporated it in an app yet. So my, uh, my club still hasn't gotten accepted, but I am part of a few clubs like club pod and um, a couple of other ones. And I know a lot of the people in those clubs, like in my niche, you'll, typically find the same people are the thought leaders and I've become a thought leader in that space on clubhouse that, which is a good thing. You want to be a thought leader in your space as soon as possible. Um, and because of that, we tend to see the same people over and over and over again. Um, but after being on clubhouse for two months, I'm still incorporating it as part of my strategy for sure, but I'm spending less time than I was in January, for example. And that's simply because if you want the most high ROI positive moves for any agency owner like ourselves, you're much better off increasing your revenue with working on operations or the systems or, or training your team or, or doing whatever outreach methods that you were already doing before that are direct uh, rather than indirect like Clubhouse. Um, so those are much higher ROI activities, in my opinion, than going on Clubhouse and spending six hours a day every day. You know? but, but if you're just someone that's just starting off, um, it's, a, it's a good grind to have for sure. And if you're someone that has an hour or two a day to spend, that's, it's a good grind too. It definitely pays off. So that's my strategy though. I mean, what I basically do is we open up these rooms with collaborations. Uh, I'll have like, 
at very least three people that I come out of room with at most, like about 10 people, a panel of like big names, thought leaders in the podcasting space on, on, uh, on clubhouse. And then we'll start a room. People will come in, we'll answer their questions. We'll bring them on stage. Uh, just kind of lead the room, keep it smooth, keep it flowing. And at one point or another, probably a hundred, 150 people have been recycled in that room in and out. And then we close the room after about two hours. That's the standard strategy. Very cool. Yeah. We need to figure out a way. I've been mainly focusing on one uh, group and just kind of honing that group with other moderators in there. But yeah, we should definitely figure out something together. We can uh, moderate together. I think there's a lot of uh, synergy within that space. Obviously, uh, we found each other. I don't remember exactly which room, but um, we should definitely do some stuff together. I think that'd be fun. 100%. I'll reach out to you on there. I think it's been a while since I've seen you in any rooms there. So yeah, I've been focusing on just that one group. Um, ironically, it's like 80%, uh, I think, women. I found the group. It's called uh, Struggles to Strategies or something. And then once I got in there after like a week and finally started making connection, I realized like, okay, there's 20% guys in here. The rest of them are all like women-owned businesses. But they are the right type of people. It's just ironic. I think, I think women started the group and then I it got accepted as like one of my first groups in there. And I just stayed with them. To be fair, like, I think one of the best strategies that I've seen being used so far and being utilized more and more on clubhouse is either starting your own group or becoming part of a group. That's really, really big getting in touch with the person that founded the group and then becoming a leader for the group, which basically means that, or one of the leaders and all these groups have many leaders where you can basically open up a room with that group as a label. And from there, everyone who's in that group will get pinged that, Hey, we just open up this group and they'll come join in. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the easiest ways, even with like a really low following to get a bunch of people in your room really fast. Yeah. That's kind of what I've done. They got to like, I think like 24,000 in their group. So not one of the bigger ones, but, um, Decent amount. So. Yeah, there you go. How many people do you have coming in your room on average? Last week, so we do, we've do. we been doing it every Thursday. Last week, I think there was like 120 or so that came into the room. There you so, go. Decent size. Um, it's just been a lot of fun to talk to people. Honestly, I, I, you know, um, I've made a lot of connections and a lot of leads. Nothing's really turned into business yet. Um, but it has been a lot of fun to do this type of like business and networking and add value to people. Um, cause we used to do a ton of networking here locally in Texas. Um, and I feel like right now it's going to open up a lot more there are still in, there are in-person events, but this has kind of been the easiest it's, it's audio. We don't have to do anything like this where it's a video. We can just show up audio based, um, add value to people and then just kind of go about your way. Yeah. It's just incredibly easy and versatile. And that's what I like about it. Yeah. I was reading something where. I didn't read the whole article. I just read the title of the article. You know how it is. Uh, but it talked about um, that Clubhouse cured my imposter syndrome. Mm. And it's like, you know, people in the industry, sometimes, you know, you're in a bubble or you're in an office and you don't get to talk to peers in, in, in your same industry. And having the opportunity to do that in Clubhouse just kind of gives you like a, huh, I do know what I'm talking about. You know, it gives you like that confidence of like, yeah, I know my stuff and other people are validating that I do know my stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I think that, that was kind of interesting. There's a negative too that there's a lot of people saying a lot of crap on there. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> like see that. People who don't know. Like I remember being in this room with two old, really sweet ladies. They're like in their 60s and, and they, they teach Instagram and stuff. And I'm just like, all this advice, none of it is, is true. 
Uh, and I had to go up on stage and tell like what you just said was literally a lie. It's, it's false. It doesn't work. Um, and, and I said, look, if you look this up, try this, test this and, and give it a shot. And then she kind of like said, oh yeah, you know what? I agree with you, but still blah, 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 and kept carrying on the conversation. So uh, just be careful with who you learn your advice from. And that's yeah. whether it's a big room or a small one. Both. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I, I would agree with what Christian's saying too. I've seen a lot of people finally like, you know, make the first leaps with their business. But then I also see like what you're talking about where I go into a room and, and it's so hard and I feel so bad because there's there are people who are like six months into starting their business or about to start a business or a year in and they know their craft okay, but they don't know anything about the business world. And so they're just taking advice from somebody who has the microphone, which if somebody has the microphone, instantly they have the credibility. It's kind of like if you're on a stage or the podcast, we instantly, if anybody's listening right now, we have the credibility because we've been doing it. Now, hopefully if you've been listening, you know that there is some credibility to what we're t- we're saying. Yeah. But yeah, there is a bad part about Clubhouse where if you become up there and you you get this little moderator badge, it's almost like you owe those people the due diligence to say, hey, look, I don't know this. Um, and so I'm not going to be able to answer this question instead of just pulling something out and just giving some really bad advice because I've heard the same thing too. People were just like, you know, to start a business, you know, just go take out this crazy loan. Even if you don't have an idea, take out this, take out this loan, uh, go start the business and everything else will just kind of fall into place. And I like left the room. I was like, that is horrible advice. This person is literally going to go crazy in debt, doesn't know what they want to do. And that's just, I mean, that's just not yeah. good advice. You're going to change it's, that person's it's two-sided, life. right? So mm-hmm. like, I, I think the, the signal to noise ratio in the world, I think there's just as much bad advice out there as there is good. And, and it's not the first time that there's a medium with, with that ratio. Like if you look on YouTube, there's just as much bad advice on YouTube as there is good <laughs> advice, right? And, and it's really any platform. And I think at the end of the day, it's at the on the user side, the consumer side to really make that decision and realize that, hey, this is good advice or bad advice. Um, and, now, and you're right. And there's still that effect of the of the credibility that goes along with having voice behind what you're doing, right? And, and it's interesting just to see the overall trend of this. Like if you look on Instagram 2010, and if you started, if someone started posting in 2010 Instagram, these one by one posts with great advice and just really look good, like Canvas style posts, someone would probably say, oh, this guy's an authority figure in the space. I'm going to listen to them. But as that got more normalized, some, now, if someone's posting on Instagram, I'm thinking in my head, oh, it's just a 16-year-old entrepreneur who probably just wants to post some some normal graphics, and, and that's cool. But I'm not going to see him as, as a credible authority figure. Mm-hmm. And then then YouTube started doing that. And now I think it's a little bit more normalized on YouTube as well. But um, when you have that, and, and now voice, voice is where it's going, right? So it's voice is starting to become more dominant in, in the, in the media formats that are out there. And, and people that listen to podcasts automatically assume that that person's a credible authority figure and people that listen to um, clubhouse people on clubhouse are automatically assume that those people are uh, authority figures. But I think sooner or later, uh, somewhere down the road, maybe 10 to 20 years from now, it might take a while, but it's all going to be so normalized that no one's going to assume that someone's a credible authority figure just because of the, of the format or the medium that they're using. Uh, rather it's just going to be behind what the content is behind what they're saying and then maybe some social proof aspects and some other things that adds to their credibility Uh, but right now i think anybody could start a podcast and then be seen as an authority figure by episode five which is interesting but at the same time can be dangerous when it comes to i guess newer clients starting from scratch brand like 
obviously that's a not a problem, but I mean it's a it's a hurdle, right, to get through. How do you, I guess, help those newer businesses get through that and become more of an authoritative uh, figure in their space? Uh, or what's the the path of least resistance when it comes to to getting achieving that the status? Learning, I would think. What, what do you guys think? I would think it's just really grinding and learning and, and perfecting your craft, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like every day. So I'm in, I'm in rooms with podcasters all the time and we're constantly trading knowledge. And, and some podcasters might know a lot more about the audio side of it. And I, I know more about the marketing side of it. And, and that doesn't say that one podcaster is worse than the other. There's just one has more information than the other one. And the market will decide who's the best and who's on top, right? It isn't an easy path. Smaller businesses that aren't seen as those authority figures and uh, have that credibility status in the first place, they're really going to have to grind it out, really perfect their craft, get known by the people. Uh, and there are, there are shortcuts, right? Like gaining a following any social media platform will give you social proof. Um, and there are even bigger shortcuts using black hat tactics to get that credibility, Right. And we live in that kind of world where digital pixels can be manipulated to give you more credibility. Right. So um, there, there's a lot of shortcuts, but if you want to do it, the, but those people that take those black hat shortcuts sooner or later are going to be ousted. Right. They, mm-hmm. People are going to figure out that they don't know what they're talking about. Um, and then there's a flip side of that where maybe some guy's never been able to get cra- traction on social media, but he knows a lot or she knows a lot about something. And then they use a black hat tactic to kind of give them an advantage and, and it works out for them. Right. So um, really it's just about perfecting your craft and learning from other people and constantly being a student and a teacher. I think that's, that's what it's about. Yeah. I think I definitely agree with that. I think that's something that, I mean, we've taken from the get go when we started our company was that education aspect of it. Right. Of, constantly be learning, constantly be learning from others and constantly be teaching. Um, so yeah, I think we're right on with, with that. I wanted to get to kind of a, this kind of a fun area or kind of a, a rapid area of the show, um, not necessarily related to business, uh, but just in, in general. So we just kind of find out a little bit more about you. Um, so we just have a couple of quick questions here for you. And number one is, what purchase of a hundred dollars or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months or, or just recent memory? I love questions like these, <laughs> uh, purchase of a hundred dollars or less, huh? That is an interesting question. I've never been asked that. Um, dang, uh, let's see. That has impacted my life the most. Mm-hmm. Something of noteworthy. And like I said, it could be six months, could be recent memory. Right. Uh, I, I almost want to say my podcast, Mike. <laughs> but, okay. But yeah, I almost want to say that because, I mean, I have just, that thing has been really useful for me. I think it's the one object that I've used the most in the past six months. Um, you can yeah, be- that. What, what kind of, po- so tell us what kind of podcast, Mike, is it? And, you know, what way did you choose that one then? it's the the samsung qtu it's it's nothing it's nothing special it's like a, a budget right on the cusp of a hundred dollar mic with a pop filter uh and the audio quality is pretty nice yeah uh it's not the worst it's not the best uh it's not a sure smb or anything like that it's just 
I've used this thing so much and it's an upgrade from using the MacBook speak, uh, microphone. Right. And, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's just been like, I, I kind of see it as it's been the base of my entire podcast and, and all the videos and the content and everything that I have out there with my voice in it. It's been, it's been the driver behind it. Right. Uh, it's definitely been the most useful thing I've purchased under a hundred dollars. Um, if we're not going to count books, and there's other books that I'm sure I can I keep in mind as well. So I would say my, my podcast, Mike. I was going to say books are not off limits. I think books have bought, honestly been up there. It's probably one of the most used for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I finally got a chance to read uh, Think and Grow Rich. So There you go. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you that. What, to, what, what are you currently reading if you're reading a book right now? So I, I got this bad habit of trying to read like three books at a time. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just, there's this book called Leveling Up by Eric Sue that I read quite recently that I'm hosting a, a giveaway on my podcast for three copies of those books. Nice. Um, I currently at the end of Dotcom Secrets, so I got about two hours left in that. Oh, you I'm love currently, that. Yeah, currently in the second quarter of Think and Grow Rich. Um, and then my next book that I want to read is The Art of War. So that's that's been downloaded. And I just finished The Power of Now. That's nice. Book. Yeah. How do you, how do you read your books? Is it audiobooks or? All audio. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, although there are some co- books that I, I really think you need a hardcover for, like for .com secrets, now that I've read it all the way to the end, I think that's something that's much better in hardcover than it is audio. Yeah. There's, um, I would highly suggest Atomic Habits. Um, and that's one of those books where <clears throat> I did it audio first and then went and read it. And then I did audio again and then I read it again. So um, it's one of those books that, I think doing it both ways, you get benefit from each one of them. There's something about flipping the piece of paper and writing in it, and there's something about hearing it and that intimacy. So I think there's no right or wrong. It's just you get a benefit from both. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's good because it kind of just becomes more immersed into your brain then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely noticing that. All right. Next rapid question in the last five years. What new belief, behavior, or habit? has most improved your life? Determination and drive, man. That's an easy one for me. And I think that really stems from empathy. So uh, three years ago, I would say I didn't have any drive, right? Uh, I was just your average, I want to say average. I I was just really deep into partying and and really not knowing where my life wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And it just really, I knew I had a good head on my shoulders. I knew that. Right. I always had the I always had the confidence in my head that I could do whatever I wanted to set my mind to, but I had no direction. And I think what really changed was uh, I, I traveled. And you know how there's like people get a chip on their shoulder if they're young and maybe they're broke or maybe they had a single parent or whatever chip on the shoulder. And that really drives people a lot. Mm-hmm. I never had that chip on my shoulder. Right. I, I came from a good family. I had good friends, good siblings, all of that. Maybe I got bullied a little bit when I was a kid, but it wasn't enough to put a chip on my shoulder. Um, then when I started traveling, there was a moment where I was just so broke, like so broke that I didn't even know if I could afford pasta one night. And I remember that I was with my ex at that time. Um, oh, we ended on good terms, but uh, I was with my ex one night. And we just didn't even know if we we're going to eat that night. You know, we we're living in a camper van at that point. It was in, it was in New Zealand. We were traveling around. We had had that camper van for about four or five months. Now it was a, it was an old 1990 highest piece of. <laughs> <shit>. um, <laughs> it broke down going uphill and downhill. Like it was just this oh, old gosh. piece of crap. But it was our, but it was our home, right, for about seven months. We saw all the New Zealand in it. But 
I just remember just being so broke. And I told myself right then and there, I'm never going to beat that broke ever again, ever. And that became my chip on my shoulder. And ever since I came back from tr my travels, I've just had this ridiculous determination and drive, almost obsessive to like making it you know, and doing whatever it takes to make it. And, and I think that came from a healthy mix of cultivating empathy deeper for people. And at the same time, knowing that I had to prove something to myself and never put myself in that situation again of being that broke. That's awesome. Um, wow. Yeah, that's, that is so cool. I think we could probably go on a whole another podcast episode talking about the adventures in New Zealand. I feel like there should be a video or podcast about that. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, talk for ages. <laughs> <laughs> so easy question. What's your current binge right now on whatever streaming platform you're listening to or watch listening to watching? Watching, you know, it's funny. You'd be surprised. You think I listen to more podcasts, having have a podcasting agency, but it's a really on and off thing for me. It'll be in waves. Like there'd be some seasons of my life where I listen to a lot, and some I don't. And this season, I'm not. Um, I've been so I I've recently been learning to tone it down a little bit and not constantly be in overdrive mode all the time. So I've been taking the time to realize my enjoyment for movies again lately. Uh, and I wouldn't say binging per se, but definitely more than average of what I'm watching. I'm probably watching one movie a week. Oh, the TV show that I've been watching the most so that I'm really, really enjoying currently is WandaVision. Yes. yes. That is a great TV show. It, it is. started off really weird. And like by episode two, I was like, what is this? I don't know if I want to watch this. But then by by the, the last episode that just came out this Friday, I'm like, this is amazing. It's just too bad. It's only one season and there's one more episode yeah, left. One more episode out. left. Yeah. Yep. Really, really good show. I've been trying to get everyone in the office to watch it, but I'm I just the wait only till true things, I wait till fan. things are completely finished and then I go watch them. I hate, <laughs> that, I hate that's usually waiting. how I am too. And I was so pissed that I had to wait uh, each a week at a time <laughs> week, to yeah. watch this. But, uh, but really, what happened was so uh, about three weeks ago or four weeks ago, about a month ago, um, I had surgery done. So basically, what they did is just fix my septum. I, I got into a fight about two years ago and I finally fixed it. Um, so I could breathe better, but I was bedridden for about two weeks. And that was right when WandaVision came out. So I had about three episodes up my belt and I sat down and I watched all three in a row. Oh, and I binge watched the Mandalorian during those three weeks too. So I watched all of the Mandalorian during those three weeks. Nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, both fantastic shows, man. So those have been probably my two obsessions, obsessions lately in, in the TV show world. Very cool. Yep. I, I need to watch it. Like I'm just. Yep, let me finish the last episode and then I'll get on there. Yeah, this week. If you, if you watched this whole week, then Friday you get the finale right there. No, I can't <laughs> do that now because I'm in the middle of watching Heist, um, which I didn't realize. I thought it was a short, limited series. What is it? It's called Money Heist. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a Spanish yeah, yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. It's it's ridiculously good. Uh, but I thought it was going to be like a short series. It's like six episodes. And it's like, no, there's like six seasons. Yeah. And there's like... <laughs> 50 episodes and they're all an hour and i'm like oh gosh so <laughs> it's kind of great but also kind of stuck that's what it is <laughs> that's why i hate those long commitment shows these days because i know if i sit down and watch one i'm gonna watch all of it yeah. yep that's why i'm watching uh, the, i've kind of put money heist on like a hiatus like maybe one a week maybe but i love i've recently found a community and that has been so good to see now because community has all these actors who are now big. Um, Chevy Chase was big 
um, obviously, but everybody else, like, you know, Donald Glover, uh, he was a nobody. He was just, just some random kid. And now he just did a huge deal with, uh, who is it? Amazon or HBO or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, this is just the same Donald Glover who who's a rapper. Childish Gambino. Yeah. Yeah. Childish Gambino. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. And and he's got his start on community. So it's just so cool to kind of go back and see that he's hilarious. He is absolutely hilarious. Uh, He's a great actor. Yeah. Um, all right, so most importantly, I think the people who are listening are really wondering how the heck they can connect with you, how they can get help with their podcast and reaching uh, more people and creating amazing content. So what's the best way for them to connect with you and um, and reach out? Sure. Um, so you can, if you want to listen to my podcast, it's The Nomadic Executive. And I mean, that's on all podcasting platforms, just like this one is. Uh, if you want to contact me directly, you can contact, I think best place to really reach out to me and the easiest for you as well is probably my Instagram at nomadables, N-O-M-A-D-A-B-L-E-S. Awesome. Omar, thank you so much for coming on. It was a blast talking with you. I know we're going to connect offline as well and hopefully do some more stuff on Clubhouse, but um, thank you so so much for coming on and sharing your your wisdom and knowledge uh, with the, with everybody. I appreciate you guys having me, man. It was a good time. Absolutely. Likewise. The Marketing Natives Podcast is a production of Bit Branding.